So, 29 hours, 29 hours, that's one day until 2021. Guys, we've done it. We're almost there. So, I think we can all agree that 2020 has been quite the year. And I don't even think any of us have even thought or maybe resolutions hasn't been a thing for us this year or as we lead up to 2021. I mean, I think we all have resolved to do new things 2020. New changes have happened, whether we wanted them or not. With the pandemic, we had sheltering in place, shutdowns of everything, classes on Zoom, I mean, some of you guys maybe didn't even get to see your friends for a few months or family members. And I think to top it all off, the office is leaving Netflix. So maybe 2021, you're resolving to intentionally love people. Or maybe you do have a list of resolutions that you're looking to accomplish this year, whether that's running or, or maybe it's, it's dusting off an old hobby. See, while we all feel like we resolve to, new, to do new things intentionally or forcibly because of COVID, the internet is still throwing things at us regarding simple tricks on how to keep your resolutions and the top 50 things that we should leave behind this, this year. I don't think they understand. Listen, you may be entering this new season cautiously optimistic. But I think it's important to understand that every new year brings us something worth straining for. I love the way that C.S. Lewis put it. There are greater things ahead than any we leave behind. See, that kind of puts the perspective for us for resolutions when we're thinking about what we're going to resolve to do this year that's new, that's maybe going to improve our lives. What are those better things? I just mentioned... Maybe you really are picking up running. Or m maybe it's, you know, getting more followers on Instagram. Maybe you want to go from 100 to a million like me. Or maybe it's that book that's been collecting dust in the corner that you've been meaning to read the last three years. Maybe it's that. I think for some of you, that, that same book might be the Bible. Maybe you're resolving to prioritize time with God this year. See, whatever the goal is, whatever the resolution you're choosing to pick for 2021, you need to do your best to set your sights, to focus on that goal and what lies ahead. And while you're doing that, not stumbling on, well, I failed this last year or the last two years, you're not stumbling over your past. See, guys, you don't want to be held back by what you used to be. But you want to be straining towards your, your ultimate goal, your real resolution in being more like Christ. So with your devices open, or if you have your Bibles open, go to and flip over to Philippians chapter 3, 
verses 13 through 14. Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 through 14, and we're going to see here what, what, what Paul is reminding the Philippians of. And that says, Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So you guys, if, if anyone understood this really well, it was Paul. See, Paul had taken a hold of this ultimate resolution. And it was one that he knew was worth straining for. 30 years prior to this, he was saved. He professed faith. We see his salvation. And we can only imagine the spiritual battles that he must have overcome and the growth that he had over those years. Yet here we have him in these passages, openly confessing that he was still straining to be more like Christ. Even someone as mature as Paul understood he had not attained it yet. See, straining towards your goals can be difficult. I think we can all agree with that. But this serves as a good reminder. There will be heights to be climbed as you're pursuing these resolutions, as you're pursuing these goals. And you have to remember to be content as you strive, as you pursue, as you strain. You especially need to be, my first point here, if you're taking notes, be content with your goal. Your goal being Christ. We used to do a lot of camping uh, up in Yosemite. It was kind of like an every other year thing. We'd go up to Yosemite and we camped in this, this small city called Bass Lake. I don't know if, you, if you've been to Yosemite, you've driven past Bass Lake. It was cheaper to camp in that area and it still was close enough to Yosemite National Park for us to get around and do things during the day. See, I, I enjoyed hiking, so we frequented this trail that led to Vernal Fall. See, Verna Fall, at the end of this trail, Verna Fall is a, is a waterfall. It's not very big, but it's one of the most powerful waterfalls in Yosemite. So my reward, the treat for me as I was making this hike, was to see this waterfall. And not just the waterfall, but if you've ever been to Yosemite, the view anywhere is beautiful. So I can huff and puff up a trail and be satisfied with my end goal, which is a waterfall, a solid view of a sunset or a, picture, a picture, picturesque view of something. See, it's only when you realize that the hike or the end goal, if that's not worth it to you, if you're not content in that, then there is no contentment. If I was making, up my, if I was making that trail, if I was hiking that trail, and I was dissatisfied, I was upset, I didn't want to do it, I didn't, you know, the waterfall, I didn't care about the waterfall, it wouldn't have mattered. None of it would have mattered. None of the beauty of Yosemite would have mattered to me. See, Paul certainly knew contentment. And he's, he states in Philippians 4.11, not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. See, this wasn't just some simple ancient Amazon ordering that Paul was doing to fulfill quick and easy gratification. This was through spiritual growth. 
See, and not only that, but Paul understood that he could count everything lost because he knew Christ. He had suffered the loss of all things, but counted them as, as trash, as rubbish, because he had gained Christ. Paul truly understood the high standards to what Christians needed to be aspiring to, straining towards. The great purpose he was confronted with on the road to Damascus was what Paul wanted to take a hold of. As Paul reminds Philippi, the Philippians, through his testimony, there are heights to be climbed. This should serve as a reminder to, to you guys today. There shouldn't ever be a standstill in your spiritual growth or any height that cannot be climbed. You know, it's kind of like you're straining for those New Year's resolutions. If you have those, if you've written them down and you're ready for 2021 to get that, to get that going. You know, maybe you're going to read more books. Maybe you're going to read, you know, a thousand books 2021. Or maybe you are going to, you're going to pick up running. You're going to, you know, you're going to run four minute miles. That's crazy, but you can do it. Or maybe you're going to learn to love cats more. See, straining for these things is good, but straining for Christ is better. You see, Paul found his contentment in Christ and he resolved to continue this race, to continue striving for this goal, to push for it. So here are a couple of ways that you can resolve to continue pushing, to continue driving as we enter 2021. My first sub-point here, letter A, is have confidence in Christ. See, Paul had reason to boast. He was a Hebrew of Hebrews. He was the cat's pajamas. He was the bee's knees, if you will. This guy was it. He had all the reasons to be confident in himself. But in Philippians 3.7, if you backtrack a little bit, he says, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Paul counted all of that a loss because he was fully confident in striving for Christ and he saw that that was worth it all. So guys, instead of finding your confidence in your flesh or whatever it is that may be coming in between you and Christ, your achievements, whatever goals you have, whatever resolutions are up in front instead of Christ, be confident in the greatness of knowing Christ personally. We have that. So what does this look like in your daily lives? Well, I think it starts off with making sure you've rightly responded to the gospel. By rightly responding to the gospel, you'll find the confidence in Christ. Confidence in him endures and outlasts any other confidence that we might have in ourselves or in other people. But see, sometimes as we're striving for being more like Christ, this confidence in him comes at a cost, at least from a worldly perspective. When you choose to strain for Christ or strain to be like Christ, you may lose friendships, relationships, maybe even job opportunities, right? You tell your boss, hey, I can't make it Wednesday night. I have, I have church. Well, all right, say goodbye to that shift. What about Sunday mornings? Are you guys placing your confidence in Christ and prioritizing correctly? While we're having confidence in Christ, 
This leads me to my second sub-point, letter B. The confidence in Christ allows us to not give up. So don't give up. Whether it's a New Year's resolution or a simple goal you're striving for, there's temptation to quit. I think we've all been there. I've been there. I just, you know, tempted to quit, just throwing the towel. See, Paul reminded Philippi that genuine faith endures until the end. Real, legitimate faith endures until the end. Just like it says in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 14, For we have come to share in Christ, and indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. There's going to be times where you just want to throw in the towel, call it quits, I'm done, I'm clocking out, I'm not trying this, I'm not picking it up again. But see, this shouldn't be the case when we're walking through life as Christians. We have confidence in our Savior. So I want to ask you this. You know, how do, how do we live this out? How do we have confidence in Christ? How do we not give up when, you know, when things get hard? You know, what are you investing your time in now? Is it friendships? Is it school? Is it boyfriend, girlfriend? You know, maybe, maybe it's your jobs. See, these things aren't inherently bad, but they aren't things to, that will endure to the end. You should be investing your time in, in being disciplined and in, invest in things that will develop your faith. Now, so what does that look like? That means, I, I mean, I can stand up here, anybody can stand up here, and I think you guys have heard it, you know, millions of times, read your Bible. It starts with that. But not just that. Yeah, how about, how about going through a study with somebody? How about that person, either, maybe they're sitting next to you now who's, who's been bugging you and poking you and say, hey, let's talk about, you know, ABC. Let's, let's read through this book. Let's do this study. How about finally just saying, okay, let's do that. What about relationships? Are you guys looking for friendships or relationships that are going to spur your faith on? If you've ghosted your leader, this one's for you. You know? Make sure that when your leader reaches out or when you have a friend, a solid friends would be like, hey, let's go hang out. Let's go do this that you're answering them and not just ghosting them and not responding. So you need to be considering where you're investing your time because Christ should be our sole focus. And what causes us to not waver and give up is, is that he is our ultimate source of contentment. See, if, if you guys don't think something is worth pursuing, worth striving for, is straining, it's not going to get done. I think, you know, if I asked your parents, they'd probably say the same thing. No. You know, Johnny, if I asked Johnny to do this and he's not going to do it, then you're not going to do it. See, like my hike to the waterfall or maybe your new running goal. If the straining doesn't seem to be worth it, if the view isn't worth it, if the running pace isn't worth it or whatever resolution isn't worth it, you won't push to the end goal. See, striving for goals has its successes and its failures. And as sinful humans, we always concentrate on the failures. We're never wanting to talk about them because every time we do, the embarrassment, the humiliation resurfaces. But see, sometimes we think about our failures. We dwell on them. We, let, we concentrate on them so much that we let them absorb us. If you're still taking notes, my second point is, don't be absorbed by your past. Past. 
don't be absorbed by your past. So, noche vieja. Noche vieja. No, it's not the number five off your, the secret menu at your favorite taco place. Noche vieja, for all you Spanish one and two scholars, is old night in Spanish. Old night. See, growing up, that's what my family referred to New Year's Eve as. Noche vieja. It's just the night before New Year's Day. And see, like any Latino gathering, there is always loud music, loud family, and an epic proportion of food, fit to feed legions of men. And see, these weren't any different than, you know, your birthdays, Groundhog Day, Christmas, you know, there's always just people. See, there's one exception. My mom and all las tias, all my aunts, would canvas the room, get a number, they would count, count, and then they would frantically hand out 12 green grapes. This was called, this is called still, Las Doce Uvas de la Suerte, the 12 lucky grapes. Each one represented a month of the year. So the goal was here, this is going to sound crazy, guys. The goal was to eat as many, uh, to eat all 12 of these grapes as quickly as you possibly could, minutes, seconds leading up to midnight. You would be granted a full year of good luck. That's crazy. And see, I didn't, I didn't buy into this good luck thing. I just thought it was, a, like, it was a fun and neat way, you know, to kind of choke your way into 2021. <laughs> but the thing was, is I had relatives who, who dug this. They, they ate this up. See, I had relatives who had failures, had, had bad luck the current year. And so they hung on to this. They, they wanted to do this. I'm going to eat these as quickly as possible to get all the good luck that I possibly can get. See, they strained for what laid ahead, but it was based on luck. It was based on these green grapes. See, we're not specifically told what Paul is forgetting here in terms of a, a sin issue, but it, it isn't teaching us to completely forget our pasts. See, there are ways that Christians should remember the acts of God in their past, but Paul's saying not to dwell in them. That's why he's telling us in the second part of verse 13, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. See, don't get absorbed by failures and sins that may have already been forgiven in your lives. You see, if you backtrack to verses 4 through 6 in Philippians 3, Paul gives reason to boast in his own accomplishments. Philippians 3, verses 4 through 6 says, Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Blameless. He had more to boast in the flesh. I mean, we're, guys, we're talking about a traceable lineage to Abraham. Paul was the real deal. He's a proper member of the covenant people. He was also persecutor of the church, which he referred to as zeal, zealous. 
And you can kind of imagine the weight that would be on someone. You know, this among other several sinful strugglers, I'm sure would, have, would make anyone ponder. Why would God choose to use me after I've done everything wrong? I mean, we're not told that explicitly in the Bible, but, you know, when you think about somebody like Paul, like, I persecuted the church, but here on the road to Damascus, I professed faith in Christ, but you want to use me? I'm to be used to, to, to further the kingdom? See, and, and maybe some of you might be stuck in that kind of a rut, even saying, God, how, how, how could you even use me? I'm a terrible sinner. I've, I've done this. I've struggled with that. See, not Paul. Paul wanted to be found straining towards what lay ahead, and this is what you should be doing. See, let's take a moment. Indulge me for just a second. Imagine, imagine you're running a race, okay? Tomorrow morning, you're running a race. You get there. You're at the starting line. To your left is, is a mom of six kids. To your right is Senor McGillicuddy from Spanish One. And up in front are all the elite athletes. The race starts off, you're running. Each step you're taking takes you further and further away from the starting line. You're not pressing backwards. You're not looking back to see where you began. No, you're, you're pressing forward. You're straining towards what lies ahead. You're straining every muscle to attain that sweet taste of victory at the, at the end of the finish line. You'll feel aches. You know what, maybe those, those aches feel like difficult decisions that you have to make now. Like letting go of bad influences, letting go of certain friendships, and gaining ones that are going to help spur your faith. You'll feel exhaust, exhaustion. Maybe that's going to be a hard, a hard choice in speaking boldly for Christ, about Christ, speaking boldly about your faith, and not shying away or cowering away because... You, you have confidence in Christ. You'll definitely feel dehydrated. You know, maybe that, that's you now. Maybe as you're running this race, you feel dehydrated now because things are complacent. You're at a standstill. You guys get the picture. See, as, as we're running this race, as we're living out our lives, our Christian lives, sometimes things get worse before they get better. And when those aches happen and you feel exhausted, guys, stretch your spiritual muscles. See, the ultimate goal Paul set out to do was to be more like Christ. And what he lists out in verses four through six shows, demonstrates the sinful confidence he had in his flesh. He had in his own achievements. But in verse seven, it indicates whatever he had gained, he had counted it a loss for the sake of Christ and furthers it in verse 12. Not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made, it, has made me his own. See, so guys, when you're tempted to focus on your past sins and failures, be sure that you focus on what really matters. I have a couple things here for you. Letter A in this point is your past has been forgiven. As I'd mentioned, you, you, you're, we're not being told you're not told to forget your past, but rather not to dwell in it. The Lord has done what he has done and will do what he wills in, our, in all our lives. Your failures, sins, struggles have been forgiven. 
And we can rejoice that the Lord has ushered us into a new life as new creations. And this is only possible because of Christ. So you may be thinking about your past, more specifically who you were before being saved. Maybe it's now. Maybe you haven't professed faith. You may be struggling with things you may have done or said. Whatever it is, don't let it take over. Don't let it absorb you. Be focused on the fact that God brought you out of that and that God can bring you out of that. Some of you sit here tonight, new creations, remember that. Your past has been forgiven, right? And let her be. Your achievements aren't enough. Again, Paul had all the reasons to boast, more so than any of us. But the moment he met Christ on the road to Damascus and what we see play out afterwards, he understood his achievements, his accolades, who he was culturally was not enough. See, he had made a real profession. He had grasped that his lineage, his zeal, and even the persecution he had done gave him confidence in the wrong things. There were some... See, the 4.2 GPA that you guys are capable of getting, how well you do in sports, breaking personal records, the relationships you've been able to attain. You know, the, the, the going from 100 followers to a million followers like me, you know, these, these aren't things you should be boasting in. While doing well in school and being named CIF champs, however that looks like now in COVID, you know, are, are great reasons to celebrate. They're, that's a great achievement. But don't, let it, don't, don't place your confidence in that because that would be the wrong thing. Every ounce of energy, guys, should be set on the goal and purpose of your Christian life. So in all that you do, do it with all that you have. Run full force. Focusing on Christ allows you to stay on the correct path and not think on what you're incapable of doing. Right? Because when you're thinking on your, on your past and you let it absorb you, that's when, when there's a call to say, hey, we need help in this ministry. Or even within True North, hey, we need help here. And the first thought in your head is, I, I can't. I've, you know, I've, I've done ABC and XYZ you know, before I was saved. I don't think I can be used. There's no way. No, guys, that's not, that's not right thinking. See, we're, we're so quick to move past sins and failures, but we should be remembering them and not letting them absorb us. See, our sins have been forgiven and what we've gone through should give, a, it, it allows for growth and wisdom and we should be applying that. While we run this crazy race called life, remember not to dwell on your past, but to look to what lies ahead. And guys, my... my my third and final point here is pursue the real resolution. Pursue the real resolution. Speaking of resolutions, as I was preparing this and I was writing it out, I, I was unsure myself of what exactly resolution was. So I, I you know, do we, do we really know what resolution is? Does everyone do them? I know sometimes I do them. See, the, the World Wide Web, the interwebs, defines this as someone who resolves to continue to do good. Changing an undesired trait or behavior, accomplishing a goal, otherwise improving their life. 
See, the crazy thing is the Babylonians did it. The Romans did it. You know, they did a lot of good things and a lot of bad things. So, but I'm, what I'm trying to get to is that this is a 4,000-year-old tradition in human life. And it kind of, you know, that made me chuckle a little bit because, you know, 4,000 years ago, I could only think like, okay, well, there's must, even then there must have been Babylonians and Romans who'd be like, I can't, I can't do this. I can't do this. And it's only a week into the new year. See, whether it's 4,000 years ago or present time, resolving to change or do something new is, is, is a good thing. It's a good thing for us. See, Paul took hold of the real resolution. You could say it was, it was, it was the ultimate resolution. He strained for what laid, ahe- laid ahead. What he would attain after this life. Paul, with strong determination and with laser focus, sought out to win a prize that was not of this world. See, he was resolved to know Christ in his fullness. His ultimate goal was to know Christ's resurrection power, and he pursued this with every ounce of energy. And we see that in all his various letters to all the different churches. See, Paul understood that he, would not, he wouldn't reach this perfection in life. That's what he says in Corinthians where he, he's looking at a mirror dimly. He understands it. He knows it but we'll never ever achieve that here on this earth, not until after. See, there's a demand of us. The identification in Christ, which pushes us to know the depths of the Christian experience, having this confidence. And it's just like he says in Philippians 3, 10 through 12, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. See, 2021 will bring newer celebrations and also some new struggles. And your relationship with Christ will matter in that. In those celebrations, in the good times for 2021, are you going to focus and give thanks to God? Will you remember to do that? Or when it's dark and stormy and you don't know what to do and you don't know where to turn, will you thank God then as well? See, will you stay focused or will you be filled with fear and not do what you resolve to do? See, guys, that's where we choose to fight the good fight. Jonathan Edwards, as a teenager, wrote a slew of resolves. He had a bunch of resolutions that he wrote. And one of them is, resolves never to give over, nor in the least to slacken my fight with my corruptions, however unsuccessful I may be. No matter how unsuccessful, how many times he failed, he resolved that he was going to fight off temptations. Anything that was going to take him away from his true source of certainty, his true confidence. See, that call heavenwards, the prize that Paul is talking about in verse 14, was a call that Paul received and he, he, he took. This same call is addressed to you and one that you can receive. It brings you out of the state of rebellion and puts you in fellowship with Christ. And now, again, that happens when you rightly respond to the gospel. So how do we fight out the corruptions and pursue the real resolution? 
I have a couple points here for you guys. Letter A is keep the finish line in view. Keep the finish line in view. See, your, your New Year's resolutions typically have an end date. Whether it's minutes into 2021, a week, 30 days, six months, or the whole year. There's, there's an end goal, so you're focused on that finish line. See, in the, Christian, in the Christian life, we have a race set before us, and that one that we have to endure, as it states in Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2. So whether your life is good, you've got great friends, home life is awesome, you know, school's going wonderfully, or whether life is dark and stormy, and you feel like you have no hope this year. See, you have difficult decisions up ahead. You're, you're struggling with some serious stuff. Stay focused on your anchor. Stay focused on Christ. Keep the finish line in your sights. The goal is Christ. See, and as you're keeping the finish line in view, letter B, also be thinking. Think about the prize that lays beyond. Think about the prize that lies beyond. See, the prize is what truly lies ahead, right? Once we cross that finish line, it's that, like I said, that sweet taste of victory. That's what we want to grab onto. That's what we want to, we want to snag that for ourselves. See, that won't be experienced on this earth. And this is what we set our, our sights on as we strive to be more like Christ, just like Paul. I give you one of Edward's resolves. Here's another one. Resolve to cast away such things as I find do abate my assurance. That is to get rid of anything that diminishes your certainty, anything that takes away from what you're truly confident in, what you're truly certain in and on. So if you guys are reading or following along with the DPR um, with Compass, today you, you may have read Revelation 21. Yeah, just a nod ahead if you did. There we go. Okay, thank you. You're alive. And so as you're reading through Revelation chapter 21, it's talking about the, the new earth, new Jerusalem, new heaven. See, this is an era where God dwells with his people. This means rest and blessings. This is the ultimate prize. No more pain, no more sorrow or grieving. See, resolving to see this day is worth straining for. Guys, this, this year has taught us to cherish those we love, to be intentional with everything. But also, that certainty should be loosely used. Whether you resolve to start running or reading more books, one thing's for sure. As you're striving for those goals, as you're striving for those resolutions, don't let your past sins or failures take you from that, cause you to stop. But remember that the Lord brought you out of that life. So strive, strain for that ultimate resolution in being more like Christ. Because in him, you find real contentment and true confidence. I'll leave you with this bit of scripture out of 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 8. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is come. I have fought the good fight. 
I've finished the race and I've kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. True North, this is worth straining for. This is worth feeling exhausted over. So I pray you stretch yourselves this year. Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. Let's pray. Thank you.